Hi, everyone. It's Jen Nawal. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Mark Beal to have a conversation about how to manage generations in the workplace. Now, I love it. Mark gave some great insights into how to look at the newest generation coming in, Generation Z, that's already in our workplace, as well as just some considerations that we want to keep in mind to make sure that we're getting the best and we're creating a place where people feel that they belong. But before I go into the show, let me tell you a little bit more about Mark. Mark Beal is one of the world's leading Generation Z experts. Mark is an assistant professor of practice in the School of Communication and Information at Rutgers University. And he has served as a public relations practitioner and marketer for more than 25 years. Mark has authored seven books, including his most recent, ZEO, Introducing Gen Z, the new generation of leaders. To learn more about Mark, you can head on over and go to markbealspeaks.com. But hey, I hope you enjoy the show and the conversation as Mark and I talk about how to manage different generations in the workplace. Good morning, Mark Beal. Welcome to the Leadership Habit Podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation. We are going to talk about how to manage a multi-generational workplace. And let me tell you, you recently wrote a book, ZEO, and I want you to dive into that. And our audience has heard a little bit about you, but could you go ahead and tell us about yourself, how you came to be, and tell me a little bit more about the work that you do. Absolutely, Jen. First of all, great to be here with you. And yes, I did just write this book that I'm really excited about, CEO Introducing Gen Z, the New Generation of Leaders. Um, so currently, I've authored four books on Gen Z. I'm an assistant professor at Rutgers University. They call me a professor of practice because I come from 30 plus years of public relations and marketing on the agency side in New York. And so, you know, I've experienced uh, from an employer standpoint as, as one of the managing partners of the agency, you know, managing and working and collaborating with various generations. I had that experience, but for probably, you know, from 2000, 2005, 2010, 2015, every assignment, every brief, every RFP we received from a client was how do we engage millennials, right? So that was the focus for many brands, especially the brands I worked with who were category leading consumer brands, whether in food, beverage, apparel, fashion, sports, whatever it might've been. And so I left a course in 2017 after teaching at Rutgers, and I had a light bulb moment. The light bulb moment was millennials are the focus, have been the focus, but come 2022, 23, 24, 25, and beyond, Gen Z will become the focus. So I just started immersing myself in Generation Z six years ago, and I still have the same routine, just like today. This morning, I wake up, and at around 6 a.m., I just search for any recent articles, reports, studies, surveys, and I kind of file all that away, and then use that as part of, again, articles I write, books I write, presentations I make. So every day I'm mining for the latest insights on Generation Z, and many of those insights are around Gen Z's arrival at the workplace. Yes. No, I love that. And well, it is someone, I remember even when I came into coaching and it was, that was all the rage, the focus, right? How do we manage those pesky millennials? They are driving us bananas. They want feedback all the time. Who do they think they are? Everyone wants a trophy. I remember that so like it was yesterday and it was not yesterday. And it's interesting because where I sit today, it feels like Gen Z is not getting the backlash that millennials got. Do you, is that, am I just not sitting you know, in the I right? Think, I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. They're, they're, they're not, for some reason, they're coming in as these. And again, I, I work with them closely, collaborate with them closely, you know, but they're coming in as these 
entrepreneurial, you know, spirited individuals, very tech savvy, digital savvy, with a purpose, all those things. But you raise a point, I'm sure we'll get into it later. But millennials today, after going deep and immersing myself in this multi-generational workplace, which we have today, right, almost unprecedented from Gen Zers to boomers, what I've found and what I say and what I talk about is that millennials are the critical, 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 what I call bridge that bridges the newest employees, Gen Z, with the leaders, Gen Xers and boomers. And that bridge has got to be solid. And that bridge, that bridge can't break. And so millennials are in this all important position of being that bridge. And um, they've got a lot of pressure. They've got a lot of pressure on them because they're reporting to these senior leaders who've been around for 30, 35, 40 years. And that's who they report to. But they are you know, responsible for mentoring and managing this this new group of leaders, these Gen Zers are coming in. So right now, and I've talked to millennials one-on-one about this, they feel the pressure. Um, they like the opportunity. They embrace the opportunity. But they, to me, are in the most critical position of any generation right now in the workplace because they are that bridge from the newest Gen Zers to the Xers and Boomers who are, you know, leading companies. I love that of like them really being the bridge. So let's level set it. Uh, who are the generations that exist in the workforce today? Yeah, I mean, in most organizations, right? So we'll maybe we'll start with the oldest, right? But in most organizations today, we've got boomers, Xers like me. So again, you know, your boomers and Xers have been working in some capacity 30, 35, 40 years, or maybe even a little bit more, right? So what I always say about boomers and Xers, and not to group them, but what I say is, the value they bring, and by the way, all generations bring great value to the, to, to the workplace, but the value they bring is that experience, a uh, lot of lessons learned, probably a lot of failures along the way, um, great successes, case studies, and tremendous professional networks of contacts that they can leverage at any time for any situation, for any challenge, for any opportunity, right? They've got all that. And if we go to the opposite end of the spectrum, Gen Z has none of that. <laughs> you know, right. Gen Z does not have decades of experience. Gen Z does not have vast professional networks. Gen Z does not have you know, lessons learned, at least extensive lessons learned and insights and successes and all that. So they don't have that. But they do bring, again, this entrepreneurial mindset, this entrepreneurial spirit. They do bring incredible tech uh, savviness. They do bring this you know, social and digital media uh, acumen. And that's incredibly valuable, of course, in today's world. So they do bring all of those kinds of things and then, as we said, the millennials, again, to me, they're that critical, critical bridge between the Gen Zers, between the Xers, between the boomers. And in essence, they're managing up and down every single day. And again, that's where pressure is, right? Um, you know, if you think about Gen Zers, Gen Zers are managing up. They're reporting up. That's ultimately what they're doing. Xers and boomers, they're managing down. They're leading. But the millennials are smack in the middle of that. And they're also at a point in their careers where, you know, they're not the new kids on the block anymore. They've been around now for 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever it might be. And so they're also evolving through their careers to where they're reaching those director roles, those vice president roles. And eventually they will replace the Xers and the boomers in the C-suite. Right. My gosh, I think I'm just going through how old I am as well. As you're talking about that, I'm like, I've been in the workforce for 18 years. <laughs> I mean, and that, and that doesn't count my early years as a newspaper delivery person working sure. at the mall. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is so much that I respect and I, and I feel that as a millennial. I think it's it's an obligation 
in my opinion, but not in a negative way. Like I want to help Gen Z like yeah. navigate that or they just don't know what they don't know. And when I think about even when I entered the workplace, I feel like that was starting to make that shift, right? Like I remember talking to this, um, he had to be, I guess he probably had to be a boom. He probably is a boomer, right? If I'm actually thinking about that now. And I remember talking to him and he's like, I just don't get it. I do not understand it. And he was an executive for the company that I worked with. He's like, I was brought up and work you had to do because, you know, you needed to get it done. You didn't get to have fun. You needed to put your head down. Like this wasn't that. And he's like, and now I watch all of you and you want this to be fun. He's like, (laughs) and he was lovely. Like he was still just perplexed by it of like, what is going on in here? Um, and, and I still, it was very endearing conversation, but it is true. Like, I feel like the millennials came up right when there was a bigger workforce kind of shift. And I think that I just love Gen Z and I know we're going to dive into it because I think yeah. Gen Z is pushing it to the next level. But why is it important? Because I know that like, even sometimes for me, I'm like, do, does it matter still as much to look at generations? Because should we be looking at all of the differences that we have instead of, you know, just that one? Like, why is it important to understand the generations? Uh, first of all, completely agree with you. You raise a great point, right? In this age of a prioritization on diversity, inclusion, right? Feeling a sense of belonging, especially post-2020, where companies really start to prioritize diversity, inclusion, and equity. You're right. Generations and age is just one factor. One factor. There's so many other factors, like the, you know, the different experiences people bring, the, the different backgrounds they have, um, life's just so many different things. So you're absolutely right. In fact, someone recently mentioned it was written and then I heard it was, you know, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, one of the areas that doesn't get uh, talked about too much is actually age, which is interesting. I heard that from like, you know, an excerpt of Boomer where, uh, cause you hear, you know, every once in a while you hear about ageism and they say, you know, the age element doesn't come up too often when Companies are talking about this idea of DEI. Um, and so that was an interesting in- insight I received too when I was kind of delving into the uh, g- different generations of the workplace. Just the fact that uh, maybe you know, some of the older, more senior Xers and boomers are like, yeah, but age should be a factor in DEI too, right? Just as yeah. different backgrounds and all those kinds of things are. So it is really interesting uh, where we are. Just to go back real quick to your point. So I'm a, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm a 56-year-old Xer, so I am on the older side of Gen X. So to your point, boomers, roughly, you know, are, are you know right around 60 plus, right? So there are plenty of 60, 61, 62, still actively working, still actively leading companies, right? So that's, you know, we talk boomers there. And again, I'm just using round years, you know, 60 plus, you know, then you've got your Xers like me and those kind of late 50s, mid 50s, early 50s, right? And then all of a sudden, as you said, millennials are, believe it or not, they're now in their 40s. Yeah, um, I'm 40. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> and, and what's really interesting, and it's one of the reasons why uh, I wrote the ZEO book, but a year ago, I wrote a book called Gen Z Graduates to Adulthood. And the reason I wrote that was Gen Zers last year turned 25. This year, they turned 26, which again, even to me, that's wow, they're already 26. That sounds old to me. Well, just a few years ago, they were all in school, you know, college, high school, middle school, elementary school. So that was another reason kind of for the last two books is that, you know, Gen Zers aren't those kids anymore just in school. They're actually the oldest if they're 26, potentially are four, maybe five years into their career. So they've already gone from entry level to maybe supervisor roles or manager roles. Yeah. And again, I appreciate so much about 
Gen Z. And when I, and I appreciate that you said the age that it's often left out of conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. And I admit, like, I was one of those people that's like, can we not talk about generations? But even as you were saying it, my light bulb moment was no, because I have been in rooms. I absolutely can think about being in a, like I was leading an event and someone had come out, like had talked about ageism. They had recently went through, you know, like their organization was going through layoffs and they were really concerned about that they would be the ones out. And we do have to talk about that. Or even I think of, gosh, I've even been a part of team, like let's call them team building events that were very heavily physically active. And we had someone that was 75 and not active. And, you know, you think about capabilities in that regard or interest in that regard, or even just having kind of like clicks in the workplace where you feel like I can't, you know, because I'm old, I can't go over and talk to the new kids because I, you know, may not understand it, or maybe it's vice versa. And so I do, I, I really just appreciate you bringing that up because you're right. We actually really do need to be talking about that because we are going to look at things different and we do need to make sure everyone feels that they, um, that they belong. And from yeah, your perspective. You, I love, oh, yeah. first of all, I just want to interrupt, sorry, the B word. I love that you brought up the B word two or three times. Powerful, powerful world. Because again, you could apply to a company, you get a hired guy at a company, you could say, we've got a job here, we're going to pay a salary. But ultimately, you want to feel like you belong there. You don't want to feel like a cog in the machine. You don't want to feel like, well, I've got these tasks to do and that's it. You want to feel like I'm part of the culture. I belong here. I'm Like you said earlier, I'm having fun. The F word is good. I'm having fun at this company. <laughs> uh, it's a belong, belong, belonging is such a powerful word. I love you brought it up because it's um, it's powerful and not everybody who might be included, meaning they've been offered a job, they work here, they still may not feel they belong. They may be included, right? Because they've been offered a job and they're getting a salary and they have an office and all that, but they still may not feel that belonging. And so I think going back to your point on, we'll call it age or ageism, there's that reverse ageism too, I think, where a 21, 22-year-old may get treated like, well, that person's young. They don't know anything. Just put them in the corner, give them a couple of tasks to do, right? They could have that feeling like, boy, being the young one here, I, I you know, I don't feel like I belong. I feel like they're treating me like, you know, the child because I'm the young one. So I think I could see it kind of going both ways. Which, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, and this is where I think we should dive into, like, where do leaders get it wrong or expand on that? Where are leaders maybe getting this wrong? Because even as you say that, I can think of, I have been really, really lucky to work with, I would consider some just amazing Gen Zers. Like I have loved working with all of them. I found them extremely coachable, extremely eager to learn. And yet, and and I embrace that. I might get a little bit like, I've definitely had those times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, all right, well, let's level set this and have that conversation. But I've also observed people kind of being like, yeah, you are this annoying little kid, like go over there. And that makes me feel really bad for them because you see all this untapped potential and interest to, to want to learn, to, to want to connect. So let's, let's dive into it. Where, from your perspective, where do leaders get it wrong? Well, I think overall, first, there is no one size fits all. So to your point, even though we are all employees of whatever organization it is, right? We all have come from, again, different backgrounds. We are part of different life stages, different generations, all those things. So as a leader, it can't be just a blanket approach. That, well, this is going to work for all employees, whatever the initiative, whatever the program is. Right? It, we have to really dive into those different generations and understand where are they in their life stage? Where are they in their careers? What are those aspirations? What are those values, right? Um, it's fine to say that a Gen Zer has completely different uh, a different mindset as it comes to work because again they're just starting their career compared to someone again I'll say like me an old uh, a Gen Xer you know an older Gen Xer who 
completely different. 30 plus years of my career, you know, I've got a different set of goals, a different set of objectives over the next five, 10 years compared to that Gen Z or so. I think first is just understanding that there are multiple generations. They have um, different experiences, different background, different mindset, different objectives, different goals based on where they are. And part of that where they are is where they are from an age standpoint. And then the second part, which we kind of talked about earlier, and I believe this wholeheartedly, and I say it all the time, every generation, every individual, no matter, you know, whatever their age, they all bring value to the workplace, measurable value to the workplace. Again, older generation, more experience, more networks, more success, more this, younger generations, more tech savvy, more, maybe more entrepreneurial. Um, and so a leader has to recognize that too. And so, Again, not to promote the book again, but the point of ZEO was, and I say this to companies all the time when they invite me in, you know, empower those recent hires who just started this year, next year, or whatever, and empower them is what I call ZEOs, meaning give them an initiative, a project, a program, a challenge, an opportunity that maybe you, you've kind of pushed to the side because you just don't have time to do it. Well, let them put their minds again in against it. Let them put that entrepreneurial spirit against it. Let them put their tech savviness against it. You might be shocked at what they come back with, meaning uh, something that could actually help the company drive more business, be more efficient, more effective, more inclusive, more whatever. And so I think that's the idea too, is like recognize these differences, these different generations, and understand that they're uh, all bring value, but they also have uh, different objectives, different goals, different mindset, different values. And how can we mobilize them for the greater good of the entire company. Yes, I love that. There's not a one size fits all. And how can you leverage the value that they bring? And maybe this is a point to talk about what are some of the, and it's, again, we're not saying, because we know that there are stereotypes and everyone has a exactly. lived, different lived experience. Yes. Yes. But in general, you know, you gave one frame of reference that's helpful to look at, which is what career stage is someone in, right? Yep. A Gen Z is just entering, a baby boomer might be retiring or nearing retirement. Um, what are some other indicators that might be helpful for someone to keep in mind that they are naturally going to come to the table from a different perspective? I guess I even... Flip here. We haven't even said the T word yet, which I'm so really surprised by is technology. We haven't gotten a full technology conversation because yeah. I mean, Gen Z, they've only ever yeah. known the internet. They've they, only ever known the internet. <laughs> exactly. You know, the great quote, which again, not mine, but I wish it was. It was from the uh, CMO of MTV, Jacqueline Parks. Gen Z is the first generation that learned to swipe before they wiped. Um, great quote. What? I love that. <laughs> I, but that's a great way of understanding how they started their life or connection with technology. I, yeah. yeah. I and, and to your point, so technology has been in their hands since the age of one, two, or three. They embrace technology. They, they welcome apps and other programs that will make conducting work, whatever work it might be, more efficient, more effective. Now, I think we have to, hopefully you'll grant, millennials, I think, ushered that in for sure. I think Gen Z's just expedited it, right? But millennials were the first to, you know, kind of put pressure on companies and said, hey, we've got to get up to date with technology here. Like we're, we're running, you know, old stuff here. We've got, let's be more faster, more efficient, more this. Have we tried this? We've, you know, done this. So millennials, I always give them credit. They ushered a lot of these things. And like I said, Gen Z's kind of taken the baton and just has moved maybe a little bit more quickly. But um, yeah, that's a good one. Technology is a great one because again, it can be a, a divider in ways, but if a leader looks at it the right way, it can, it can bring people together. Because again, I, again, I just point to myself. This is the easiest way to do it. I can always point to myself as a Gen Xer. I am not tech savvy. I am not as embracing of technology as a Gen Zer, as maybe a millennial. So 
that could be an area where in the workplace, I'm all of a sudden, you know, we're introducing, I'm making it up some sort of new uh, communication technology to come. Well, someone at my age might be adverse to it, might be hesitant, might be nervous, might be concerned, right? Am I going to be able to get this? Am I going to be able to understand, right? I mean, they may not voice that. Where a Gen Z or, you know, within seconds, this is great. This is going to help us get work done. Put you know, they're they're already on it. They're already they've already adopted it before the companies even put it into play. So you're right. Technology is a big one. Um, just the various experiences and um, adoption of technology across generations for sure, especially in the workplace. Yeah, and I I think I just my head goes back to this one video that I had seen that was called Managing Millennials and it was a parody video making fun of millennials. So I I was fully here for it cuz as a millennial I I get the the stereotypes and whatnot doesn't offend me. Um, but one of the things they talked about was they or the in the video it was a manager asking someone to do something and they they said did you do the research that I asked you to do on Bliss and it's like I Googled it and she was like, what, why did you Google? Why did you Google? Like, you know, and I think that, but I also, as a millennial, I am, I am very tech inept, Mark. Like I am not very smart. And I think of even my grandma who just turned 87. Hi grandma. She doesn't listen to this, but I love you so much. Um, my grandma is incredibly tech savvy. She has, she loves automatic bill pay, like electronic bill pay. She's got her Facebook account. She has her Alexa. She's got her Kindle. She has Anything that she can get her hands on to make her life easier, she just thinks technology is the coolest thing. And I say that because a lot of people assume that maybe older generations can't or won't or don't have an interest. And I can tell you that my grandma can fully put you down and she's 87 and she loves all, she does her YouTube exercises of Tai Chi every single morning. She goes on to Tai Chi and does chair exercises. She loves what technology brings. Think of how many doors that opened for her. Coming back from a time where they both used to talk about how they had party lines growing up, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how you just kind of broke the stereotype there, which is great because that's the all, all idea what you said. <laughs> we can't stereotype everybody. We can't put everyone in a box, right? I think the other thing that you you hit on there that bridges to an area that right now, every day I'm having conversations about this, and I think it ties into the, we'll call it the generational differences, is uh, work location, right? So you've got companies now that again, if they're being led by, we'll call it boomers and Xers who are used to being in the office, used to going into the office five days a week, comfortable with being in a physical office around people are saying, we got to get back. We need, you know, back to three days, four days, five days. I just spoke to an executive yesterday whose company wants them back starting this month, five days a week. And her response was, uh, I bet there's going to be a lot of people leaving. So that's, I think, a huge issue now and will continue to be because one, this is just me. We're never going back to five days. That's just me. I don't, or if they I force it back, you. or if they force you back to five days, you will lose great talent. So I think there's a generational divide there because again, not to be stereotypical, but an old exer like me feels really comfortable commuting into the office, going into the office, spending hours and hours and hours in the office where Gen Z said, boy, I just graduated college for two or three of those years. I was never even in the classroom. I did it all remotely, right? I can do this remotely. And I had a great conversation two days ago with a Gen Zer who's two years into her career. And she said, what I love is that those days I don't have to commute in. And I think she goes in two days a week. She goes, first of all, I'm not wasting an hour each way commuting, whether driving, train, whatever it might be. Two, during the course of the day, if I've got a break, I can actually go out for a walk for 30 minutes. I can't do that in my office. And all of a sudden, I come back recharged, refreshed, ready to go. And I will probably 
do more work longer in the day now because I've had that opportunity. So I think right now that is a kind of, I'll call it a generational divide where um, we're seeing a little bit of a conflict going on, especially as companies are starting to say, okay, we've been out long enough. Let's get now three days, four days, five days. Um, And again, I think the the result will be you're going to lose great talent who will find other companies that are now have completely transformed and transitioned to either five days remote or, you know, we come in when we need to or whatever it might be. No, I I can I agree with you that I don't think that we'll ever go back to five days. I mean, there's different reasons of why I think it's beneficial to go into the office, mental health being one, which we should dive into that one. But I can validate what you said. I have a coaching or I have a client that is a director and they recently had forced a mandatory return to office. And they did it for even, they did it for like a, not a long period of time. They just wanted everyone in for like a two month period to work on some big work, like big projects. And now they're finding the aftermath of that, that people are leaving. And when asked, they said that was actually a big factor of why they left. And so we do have to be mindful because people have choices. I know that we might be going into, you know, a recession and that might change it a little bit um, here in the U.S., but People will absolutely vote with their flexibility. And we have to be mindful of that because there's someone else that is willing to give that. But I do think there's a right way. I also had someone in my in one of my crosscom leadership classes this week talk about how their company is doing a um they're doing like a year-long kind of pilot of a return to office. So it's not something that they're like pushing right away. They're just kind of seeing what they do, what they can do and like Ideally, their goal would be to get everyone back into the office, but they're just trying it out for a year to see what they can learn. So it's not this full, it's going to happen. It's we're going to figure this out, see what works, see what doesn't, and find that ba- that balance and that blend, which I do think there's a balance with it. I, I mean, I work all the time from home and maybe I, I get lonely. Like today, the tree people are here. Those would be the only people that I would talk to face to face. I mean, I get lonely. I like having a team. And I think there's something to be said about going into office because of mental health and because of connection and why we need that. Which yeah, no, I, into it. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think a couple of things there, and then we'll bridge to mental health. So I think a couple of things. You're absolutely right. One, I also think that there's some, I, first of all, I love test and learn. I like the idea of test and learn. Let's do something and try to see what happens. So you're seeing companies now test and learn the four-day work week. Again, uh, 10 years now, I predict there'll be a lot more companies doing the four-day work week. I really do. Um, so that's one. Two, I've talked to some CEOs and there's different names for this, but one of them calls it, uh, we offer six weeks of being a digital nomad, which again, goes back to the balance that you talked about. So digital nomad for this company is not vacation time. You've got your vacation time, but six weeks a year, you can go to your favorite mountain, your favorite beach, wherever you want and work from there. As a company, we know you're there working, but we also know you're there enjoying this beautiful area that you like to go and get away from. So we also know to be respectful of your time and we're not going to, you know, kind of reach out to you at eight o'clock at night and say, let's have a conference call. So I love that too, because it's kind of a, it's kind of a hybrid before between my company knows I'm working, I am working, but I'm doing it at a destination where I'm getting away mentally. Uh, when the workday's done, I can now go hike that mountain, swim in that ocean, whatever it might be. So I heard that and I love that. Um, and I worked that into the book too, because I get to me, that goes to the point of view. It just, it's this idea of balance, right? The balance between working remotely, collaborating in person, getting the chance to escape, go away. I, I think, and I think you just alluded to it. I agree. I work more remotely from this office than I ever worked actually in my other office, even though I put in hours and hours there, but because. <laughs> 
you know, at 10 o'clock at night, I can quickly respond to an email or send an email or do this. Where typically in the old days with the office, you know, once you kind of left the office, that was your, okay, I'm done with the office. Now I'm going to go home. And there was a transition. And I actually, if I ever clocked it, I think I probably put more time in now remotely. Um, but I also get the chance, like when we get done here, I might have a chance that I can go out and go get a quick bike ride in or a run in or a walk in. And again, mentally, that'll help me get through my afternoon. Yes. I mean, I can tell you for me personally, I get more done because I don't have people to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, you know, bugging everyone. Hi, you want to talk about your weekends? No, No, people are probably more productive without me in an office. And then I'm definitely more productive because I'm not. And I love those things. Crosscom is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. All right. Like in rounding it out, you know, mental health has been a big topic as it relates to how our workforce has really changed over the past few years. And I know the pandemic you know, obviously like really push that too. But Gen Z was a big proponent of mental health. And I mean, tell me more about that. You're you're an expert or you're more yes. like, you know way more about this than I do, but I really admire what they brought in terms of getting us to finally talk about our flipping feelings that we all have or to, you know, be mindful of that. I love Jen that you're saying that because that's exactly what I, that's exactly how I would position it too. First of all, for Gen Z, mental health is a top, top, top or the top priority in what I call goal-setting area, more so than their career development, more so than their financial fitness, more so than even their physical fitness. Mental health is number one. It is a focus. It's an area that they want their favorite brands to actually have campaigns around to socialize it more, as you said. And so that's number one. Number two, um, starting with my class of 22, so last year, that was the first time that I had my students call me and say, hey, great news. I just got the job. And guess what? They're giving me mental health days, one a month, one a quarter, whatever it might be. Now, maybe in the old days, we called it sick days. Maybe we called it PTO days. We never called them mental health days up until the last year or so. So I love that companies now are acknowledging that too, that we all need mental health days. Um, Obviously, those companies need to carry that through. I was speaking to a group of uh, executive recruiters at a conference. And they said, well, what, what, what happens when someone takes a mental health day? Well, I said, it's pretty simple. They simply send an email to their team, their manager, I need a mental health day. And there should be no pushback on that. Like, why? What? Yeah, it should be. Right. Take it, take it. We'll see you when you're back. Uh, and then the follow-up question was, what do they do all day? I said, they do whatever they need to do. Maybe they sit on their couch all day. Maybe they go for a 100-mile bike ride. It doesn't matter. What it is is they just need time to reset, recharge, all those kinds of things. And so to your point, I... I think one, uh, there's a combination of things going on. I think from, I'll call it the world of celebrity. Selena Gomez, Michael Phelps, 
Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, and others have made this a more public discussion and conversation, which has been great. Uh, so they've really put in a spotlight on it. I mean, Simone Biles during the Olympic Games, right? You know, Michael Phelps now, post-career, it's all he talks about is mental health. Um, and Gen Z, as you said, is not afraid to discuss it, not afraid to share it. It's important to them. So they they also want to make this a discussion. So I do think in 10 years, Gen Z will get a lot of the credit for making mental health less taboo, more open, more of an open dialogue. And I do think we're going to see a lot more companies um, making mental health part of advertising, marketing, social media campaigns to, again, make it more open. And, and employers are responding already. In fact, one last point. And again, I just kind of monitor all this stuff. But one last point is World Mental Health Day, which is in October each year. This past year, 2022, was the first time I can remember that companies big on a global scale, large corporations and small agencies of 40, 50 people closed that day and basically just told their employees, take the day, take the day, you know, take the day, recharge, rest, call a timeout, whatever you have to do. Well, if we get momentum around that and that becomes something every year, plus mental health phase, plus the chance to be a digital nomad, now we're getting things that it goes back to your, your main point. It's offering balance. So now we get we are getting that more of that work-life balance that we've been striving for for decades and really haven't achieved as of yet. Oh my gosh. I just, I want that world. Um, yeah. That's like something I am in. I have a mom who is schizophrenic. I have depression myself. And I want a world where we feel comfortable talking about mental health. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, anxiety, I have that as well. And I know a ton of people that have anxiety, but, you know, I think that organizations are taking that first step. And I love that with the mental health day. Now we just need to equip leaders to actually talk about feelings. And I'm here for it because I, I actually empathize a lot with like baby boomer, you know, lately in my work, I feel like I'm finding older men keep coming to me for coaching because they want to talk about their emotions because they have not been able to talk about them before. And they're like, I don't know how I've been so successful. I, I, it's, I remember one and he's very successful and he's like, why the heck am I, you know, 49 years old and I am struggling with this. And I think that's because we have not yet talked about it. And I just collapsed to Gen Z, collapsed yep. to not like finally yep. giving people permission to have flipping feelings. That's it. <laughs> and then you know it, Jen, we're not there yet, but at least we're slowly getting there. And as you said, at least the dialogue is starting. And, uh, and I always say this too, a mental health day will not solve any of this, but it's it's yeah. part of this overall conversation, overall mindset of mental health is really important. We have to be able, as you said, be able to share, talk, discuss. And a mental health day just contributes to that, again, bigger attempt at, at doing that. And like I said, I think in a decade, we're going to be in a much better place than we are today. I mean, I, we have to be. Oh, my gosh. I just love that world. I've loved all the changes. Uh, and I know that we have to wrap, but I want to keep talking about this. Any <laughs> final thoughts on, you know, tips of how to, you know, bridge those generational gaps? I know that you talked about it's not a one size fits all. It's understanding the value. Um, anything in closing that you feel like you missed that would be beneficial to our audience? I would just say, I guess, you know, every, I, I, I got to be careful what I say here, but <laughs> I think everybody, you know, everybody is a leader within the workplace. Some may be leader by years of service, by age, by what they've accomplished, all those kinds of things. But I guess we all need to be open-minded, which I think is one of the themes of this conversation to each other, uh, to, to our, our values, our mindsets, our goals, our objectives, right? We, I guess for lack of a better word, we just can't put the blinders on and leaders specifically, leaders who have the title of leaders, the C-suite, they really can't have the blinders on. They have to be open-minded, open to ear, right? Everything 
to all generations in the workplace because you said it. And I think 2020 is like the, the, the line in the sand. We've, the workplace has changed drastically since 2020. We're not going back to a lot of things and we're only moving forward. And so leaders to me, it's got to be about transformation and innovation now as far as the workplace, employees, your colleagues, all those kinds of things. I love that you just said the transformation and putting that on the C-suites because I think that the shift, uh, when I entered the workforce, if I didn't like it, it was like, well, bye, Jen, you go have a great career. And today, if they don't like what a leader is doing, they're like, bye, have a great company. I'm going to go to someone else. That is and correct. so I feel like that power shift. And so I think accountability looks different in today's workplace. Yeah, the, you raised a great point. The power has shifted significantly since 2020. We saw it first come to fruition through the great resignation. And I think that was, for lack of a better word, I think that was actually great because now the employees had the power. And as you said, so long, I've got another place I'm going to go where I just feel I'm going to be in a better position to speed, whatever it might be. And that also is not going away. Maybe we don't have the great resignation now anymore. We don't call it that anymore. But I agree with you. The employee is in power now. And uh, let's hope they continue to be in power. Oh my gosh. There, Mark, again, I could have, I wanted to, I want to continue this conversation in 25 different ways, but I know that we can't. So if people want to continue the conversation with you, how can they yes. best get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So again, all my, you know, from a book perspective, including ZEL, all the books are on Amazon. So easy to find. Uh, my website is markbealspeaks.com. And if they go there, you know, my email, my contact is there, but also all my, uh, you know, media articles, speeches I've done, all those great things and always available, always interested, always eager to, to have these kind of conversations. Yes. And you are. I mean, I've worked with you a few times. You're one, you're one of Crestcom's new subject matter experts. We're so <laughs> excited to have you in our curriculum. And I can tell you from working, you know, to our audience from working with Mark, he is incredibly passionate, incredibly knowledgeable. You're a fantastic speaker. You'd be an asset to anyone that is wanting to further or have these conversations of understanding um, the generations in the workplace. So Mark Beal speaks, check him out. Mark, thank you for coming on the show. Jen, thank you very much. I love our discussion. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast with Mark. I loved our conversation. Mark is actually one of our newest um, subject matter experts in Crestcom's leadership curriculum, talking about how to build generational connections. He is someone that is just so well-versed in this. And if you want to learn more about him, you can go to amazon.com and there you can find Mark's latest book, ZEO, Introducing Gen Z, The New Generation of Leaders. And you can also purchase his other books. And of course, you can find him at markbealspeaks.com. If you want to develop your team, if you want to see Mark's class, if you want to learn more about how to give your leaders, whether it's Gen Z or baby boomers or Gen X or millennials, if you want to learn how to give them the best tools that they need to succeed, head on over to crestcom.com. There you can find out about our free complimentary monthly webinars. You can also find out more about our complimentary two-hour skills workshop and learn more about what Crestcom does to create a world of better leaders. If you enjoyed this episode, share it. And we would also love a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, have a great day, everyone.